In this episode, we're chatting with Women's Circle facilitator, doula, and small business mentor for mums, the fabulous Rachel Rose. Before we start, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Kabi Kabi and Gabi Gabi people. We honour their songlines and storylines and pay our respects to the elders past, present, and emerging. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which you are listening to this episode. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education and stepping into the wilderness however that looks with your family each week we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions we'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less traveled we're your hosts vicky and nikki from wildlings forest school pop in your headphones settle in and join us on this next adventure Hello and welcome to the Raising Wildlings podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Farrell. Now, today we're chatting with the, is it effervescent? Is that how you pronounce it? The incredibly lively and bubbly Rachel Rose, who is a mother of two, a women's circle facilitator, doula and small business mentor for mums. Her facilitation style is very nurturing. It's mother-centered and full of love, humor, self-depreciation, and I would just say flat-out honesty and transparency. She's utterly obsessed with being a connector and community builder, and she's actually about to start travelling the east coast of Australia in a caravan with her partner and two kids, spending the next 12 months unschooling and running women's circles on the road. How fun does that sound? Together, her Women's Circle Facilitator training has over 130 women learning about the art of holding circles in their communities, and I can't wait to hear more about the ripple effect that that has. But before we start, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast if you're listening right now. Go into your phone, look for the subscribe button at the top just under our podcast tile and click subscribe so it ends up in your library every week. Uh, and that way you won't miss an episode. And we would also love it if you took a snapshot of this episode and like a screenshot and posted it on your socials if you feel called to do so, because maybe you can think of someone in your life that could do with a little love in their postpartum period. Maybe they're looking for a doula, or maybe you can think of someone who would be an incredible women's circle facilitator. And this episode might be just the thing they need to get the confidence up to take the leap. And now let's meet Rachel. Hello and welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you so, so much for joining us. I have been a fan following you on Instagram for a couple of years now, and I love everything that you do. Oh, thank you, Nikki. And the feeling is mutual. I was so stoked when you wanted to chat with me because I love your podcast and get so much out of it. Uh, it was so funny because I had no idea that you listened to it. And then when some, uh, someone, I think it shared or someone tagged us in your post that you were listening to us, I was like, oh, it's, it's still funny that pe- to me that people <laughs> listen to it. So <laughs> I've listened to almost every episode. It's uh, amazing. <laughs> which is so great because I literally only do this. No, it's not only reason, but so I can get to chat to all the people that I admire and respect. And so it's just wonderful that it's, it can be a mutual thing and that we get to meet and get to know each other. I love tech. I hate tech and I love tech. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So for people that don't know who you are and what you do, could you give us a little background in the incredible work that you do uh, for women? And yeah, just fill us in there. Okay, sure. So my name is Rachel Rose. Um, I've had my business for the last 
four-ish years and my daughter is five and a half and becoming a mother was a huge catalyst for a, a redirection in my career. I was studying a master's of teaching and I thought I would be a teacher and make great waves and change um, for kids in education. And then I had my baby and I wanted to continue my studies and I found the university system was really not set up to support mothers and babies and was looking ahead and seeing how the education system was also not really as flexible as I thought it was. <laughs> it's the greatest dupe, isn't it? I think Yeah, that it's one of the reasons I went into teaching because it's so, quote unquote, so good for mothers. You know, you mm. get holidays. It's such a, <laughs> it's a rort. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. So I ended up switching careers when she was about 18 months and, and became a doula. So I was doing my doula studies. And look, again, I was very idealistic and romanticised the idea of being a doula and soon realised that wasn't going to suit me with small children being on call, running mm. off in the middle of the night with a breastfed baby, wondering <laughs> where <my> mum was. <laughs> um, but I wanted to stay in that field because I became utterly obsessed with supporting mothers and babies at mm -hmm. the start of life and, you know, really seeing the opportunity for transformation um, even further um, before, like, working with kids in primary school. Like, how mm -hmm. can I support babies and mums to thrive? Um, so I stayed as a doula, but I started supporting women in their pregnancy and their postpartum experience. Mm. And then I started running women's circles and pregnancy and mother circles. So bringing, you know, small groups of five to 10 women together and sitting in circle for two hours and really sharing the reality of what it was like to be a mother in modern day mm. society and getting a chance to just deeply listen to other women and their stories. Mm. And so that's what I've been doing for the last couple of years. And I've had a baby in between, another baby, and my little pandemic baby who's two <laughs> in a week and a bit. Um, so, yeah, throughout it all I've, I've had the benefit of, like, being of service to mothers and babies but also building a community for myself and my family around my work at the same time, which has been amazing. Yeah, I think I'd love to touch on that because you've just, you've had a lot of change in your life recently and you've mm. just, and I know this because I stalk you on Instagram, how delightful. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a, it's a crazy world, isn't it? When yeah. complete strangers know some of the, not, not what I ate details. for breakfast. <laughs> And, you know, I'm moving in these houses. I, I love, I love your real estate. I love your real estate commentary. Uh, it's, it makes you want to cry, but you can't help but laugh. So. Yeah, that's the only way I'm finding solace in the, the journey uh, to find a new house is laughing about the ridiculousness of the houses that I'm seeing. Yeah. yeah. So, and then how, like you said, you and you've been doing this beautiful commentary on how your women's circles are helping you leave the community that you've built because it's so hard particularly when you've you've got that community in those early years of motherhood like you you really rely on them for that support um to be up uprooting mm -hmm. and leaving again how is it that you're you're making yourself feel okay with that decision yeah the only way I feel okay about it is knowing I have women's circles so that wherever we do land so we're moving into a caravan and we're we're planning on traveling up and down the so east exciting. coast it is exciting and that was that was influenced by lockdowns and mm. being, you know, isolated and it's not like 
moving into a caravan with my family and two children will mean that we'll be less isolated because we're moving <laughs> away from community. But I do plan on the road to, to run women's circles and to connect with women that I've had the pleasure of talking to on Instagram for the last mm. four years, which is really cool. Um, but also, like, I have this deeper knowing that the relationships that I've built, one, are not for nothing. Like, I wouldn't have survived my early motherhood if I didn't have the friends that I have. Um, but also the depth of relationships that we've been able to cultivate, that will continue. It'll just look different. Mm. And one of the motivating factors for us for moving two hours south is to be near family, um, to have retired grandparents who are able to support us and have a five-acre farm where you know, just yesterday my kids were watching a, a lamb be born. Like this mm. is the kind of stuff that homeschoolers dream of. That's an amazing <laughs> tick, tick, tick. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I have the farm, but I don't want the work. Thank you. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also I just had my beautiful best friend and her kids come and stay. We're, we're house-sitting at the moment and they stayed for two nights. And, like, those relationships will stay and it will just mean that, We'll have to make an effort to meet each other, maybe halfway, or maybe we're going to be doing holidays together now. It's going to look different. Mm. But, you know, we had to make the change for our family. We were still feeling quite like we were drowning without Mm. any family support nearby. And, you know, building community with other mothers is amazing and we need to do it. And also when shit hits the fan and you've got sick kids at home, it's not like you can ask the other mothers to come in and support you with your sick kids. Yeah. <laughs> so there are always going to be limitations that we just can't access in the same way as as family. So yeah, I'm I'm hoping I'm on Yuen country now down in Milton Ulladulla area. When we land and we buy a house here, I'll be starting a women's circle and I hope that people will come and then I'll be creating that community all over again. And when you get up to the Sunshine Coast, let us know and we'll host you and we can host circles here and I can't wait. Oh, amazing. (laughs) Imagine that. I just can't wait for you to be travelling and and working when you want to work or not working when you work and making those connections. And I think... I think that's the the beauty and it's, it's that juxtaposition nowadays with our global society is that we leave our heart all around the world, I think, and all around the country mm. because we have that ability to be and go all these places and make these incredible connections. And then we have the tech to follow that up, I guess, but it does feel like we leave little pieces of our hearts all over the place. But I guess that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I just had, I ran a class yesterday and someone messaged me today saying she tuned in from the Netherlands and that's just no, mind-blowing. It's so, so cool. Isn't it? It's, yeah that you can connect and that, again, if we bring our human race back to its simplicity, that we have more in common than we have more different and and mm. motherhood is one of the biggest binders, I think, because it's the, we're all on that same journey and it is, is hard for everybody and mm. how beautiful that we can all come together and have that, that one simple and complex thing bring us mm. together. Rachel, can you talk to us about the creative expansion that you found yourself in through motherhood. And I, I know I had the, ex, not the exact same, but that same explosion and trajectory change in my life too. But I'd love to hear what happened and, and how. Yeah, I've had 
now two pregnancies and two birth experiences. And my first birth, um, you know, was an ideal and there was an element of trauma to my birth experience. And so I didn't start on the best foot in motherhood, but what I found in our early postpartum time together, me and my daughter, I I did sink into motherhood in a way that I, I didn't really think I was going to. I had planned to go back to uni at six months postpartum. I'd always been a really um, high achiever, academic focused. And as challenging as it was to slow down, there was also just this deep lusciousness to the monotony of early (laughs) motherhood Um, and not having to prove myself or to achieve outside of keeping my daughter safe and healthy and happy. And I really melted into the touch components of early motherhood, holding my baby, wearing my baby, sleeping next to my baby, spending countless hours just kind of daydreaming while she was in my arms. Mm. And I don't think I'd really allowed myself that spaciousness before because I was always so task oriented and goal oriented and focused on the next thing. Um, and it was in that dreaming like state. I think we can enter altered states of consciousness through motherhood. <laughs> like it's a it's a spiritual practice in some ways. Mm. All of the repetition that we do is is akin to what people seek out in meditation practices and mm. that kind of thing. And mothering my daughter um, connected me to my intuition in a way that I hadn't before. And so all those books on education and the uni textbooks and the journal articles just kept gathering dust while (laughs) I was reading about birth and breastfeeding and motherhood and the brain changes that mothers undergo. And, you know, I I knew that I had to go in a different path because I was so passionate about it. And then when I birthed my second son, my first son, but second baby, and I had a home birth for his birth, um, and I really had quite uh, very powerful, it was challenging, like it was hard and I hated parts of it, but Mm. the post-birth bliss and ecstasy that I reached um, from birthing him at home and and really having a very deeply supported postpartum in that experience um, I wanted to write a book by day six postpartum. <laughs> like I, I had all of these ideas and I really had to stop myself because I was like, whoa, you can't, you, I mean, you, I could, but you shouldn't write a book when you're six <laughs> days postpartum, like just chill and reflect. And so, you know, I was just madly writing notes on my phone as I was holding him and really just bathing in that um, post-birth bliss that I got to access through that that home birth and that physiological birth that blew my mind. So, you know, I've had the creative expansion both through a negative experience and a positive, like we can get there through motherhood and it, it is an opportunity if if we allow it and also if we're supported through it, I think mm. as well, it's the key piece. If you're just surviving and you know, you're not resourced and you're chronically sleep deprived, then maybe you're not going to access this expansion because you're too fucking tired to. So there's a big piece around supported motherhood as well, I think. Uh, I I could have 
verbatim said exactly what you'd said and and second time around more supported more aware of what I was doing nat trapped more and I just found myself more still than I'd ever been in my entire Mm. life and so I had this creative space this brain space to just actually think and dream and and wonder what if whereas prior to that it was like just your hamster on the wheel you know you're going from work Mm. to sport to uni to work to sport to clean to shop to whatever it is and social calendars whereas I'd never just sat for hours on the lounge without a book like exactly what you were saying the books were collecting dust Mm. everything and so it was amazing to just start pondering what what could be, what might life look like if I did this, what might life look like if we cut back on our income but mm. gave ourselves more time to support each other. And, my gosh, I have no regrets. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. moving from there, what was the scariest and the hardest part about starting your own business and starting your first circle? Mm. Uh, look, I think for me, it was making the leap. Um, I was working part-time plus doing my master's and I had a full scholarship for my master's and we had moved to Wollongong so I could complete those studies. So we had moved from Sydney. We re like rejigged our whole life for me to do this. And I think the scariest part was admitting that it was no longer working for me mm-hmm. and it was not something I wanted to do. And having that like nervousness bubble in me when I wanted to tell my partner that <laughs> I changed my mind. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I also had real high achieving goals. Like I wasn't going to be um, a, a teacher for very long. I was going to be a principal. And so, mm. you know, I was like, I'm going to earn $150,000 a year and I'm going to make this impact in this school environment. Like, you know, and so, so leaping out of that and you know I wasn't making that money at the time but it was it was on this trajectory where yeah. I'm like you know if I keep going like this then I could be earning six figures this could be really great for our family mm. and it's like no I'm gonna quit that leave my full scholarship behind start a business from scratch where I don't know if I'm gonna make any money <laughs> where I have to learn five different skill sets Ugh, and 20. take this yeah <laughs> Huge leap of faith and I have no idea what it's going to look like on the other side. So that was probably the scariest part. And then I would say it's just overcoming the nerves that I get every time I create something new or put something out there into the world. Like I still get nervous. I still wonder if people are going to catch on to the fact that I'm a fraud, (laughs) you know. I'm still wondering if someone's going to knock on my door and tell me, you can't do this. You can't, (laughs) you know, create your own deadline and make your own money and have a real great time in the process. Like I love what I do. I get paid for something that I love. Um, So, yeah, it's been scary at, at multiple points. And, you know, I shared yesterday, I've just I was just looking at my my finances and I've made $70,000 in the last six months. Yay. And that's, yeah, absolutely incredible. And that has not been my experience before that. My first year in business, I made $4,000. The second year, I made $40,000. The third year, it was $20,000 because I went back on mat leave. And now $70,000 in six months. So I'm just sharing that to listeners because I think we can have this 
unrealistic idea when we start a business that it's like overnight success and it's not no (laughs) four years into it (laughs) and particularly starting in motherhood yeah yeah and I've had a baby in between and a pregnancy where I was sick for 16 weeks again so you know it's been up and down and in and out but I'm I'm glad I took that leap of faith when I was able to Mm, I resonate with that so hard and and we did the same thing like while we weren't in I was still technically on mat leave but my children were older so I hadn't given birth when we started our business but it was that oh god I'm leaving this really secure job it's a fine job like it's fine and I've I've since I hate the word fine now like I I don't do fine if it's we're not thriving and our kids aren't thriving and my husband's not thriving, then shit's got to change because fine is the most depressive state I think we as Western society stay in. Um, And we do that because it's secure and I get that as well. And I come from a place of of privilege where I can make those choices. But, But we also have a welfare system in Australia where if shit hit the fan really badly, I know that I can at least access welfare to get me through. And it might be belated and I might go into debt until that happens. But we have we have a catch here in Australia where, and our, you know, our healthcare is free. We have those privileges that other countries might not. But far out, I hear you when those first, our first few years, I think we were, first year we didn't pay ourselves. The second year we were earning like $50 a week. Then it was a hundred. Then it was hundred and fifty. And now we earn more than we would have as teachers. And and that's but you know throw a pandemic in there. I know it's amazing. But we were on that trajectory, and then pandemic. So two years of holy shit. What are we doing? Is this the right thing? Yes, it is. I cannot. I will not go back teaching. We just got to get through the pandemic. And as soon as we were opened up, we have just gone gangbusters again. But it's not overnight. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um, yeah but it's amazing um I want to touch on again I love I love that you're being so transparent about your the earnings of your courses at the moment I think I'd love to hear why you've chosen to share that I think because your your justification on why I just loved it Mm, I can't remember what I said so I'll just say (laughs) neither can I it's not word for word Um, Look, when I first started and when you take that leap and there's no one, um, (laughs) I didn't want the aspirational six-figure months, um, million-dollar revenue. That to me felt so overwhelming and intimidating and like I would never get there. And as part of what I've done over the last couple of years, I also mentor mothers in business, so in small business. So it's just made a lot of sense for me to be transparent about the process. And I share the behind the scenes because I feel like I'm only a couple of steps ahead of the women that work with me. Mm -hmm. And they can look to me and see it as a model and something that is more achievable than, you know, if I was saying I made millions of dollars in, in four years. And it's motivating and it feels, you know, realistic. And I also just love seeing what other people make. (laughs) They're the the main blogs that I read. Um, Yeah, when it is showing the journey rather than just like, look at me, I'm sitting on my piles of money and you can do this too. It's like, no, it takes hard work and lots of failure and mistake making and learning in the process. And so many women I know and have worked with 
get imposter syndrome and perfectionism Ugh. to the point that it cripples them from even starting. Yeah. And you're never going to get in a position where you'll have successful courses if you don't start. No. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And we're the same, you know, through wild business, we're exactly the same. Like we're only, you know, what are we We're in year five now? So if you're starting today, we're five years ahead. But if you started two years ago, we're only mm. three years. Like we, we didn't come here knowing everything. <laughs> we came yeah. here making every fucking mistake in the book, out the book. <laughs> it's the only way we got here, but we, we would only want to, what it's doing like you're doing is, we want to prevent those mistakes for other people so that their pathway is easier. That's not to say you won't make mistakes. There's no way you can have a successful business without it. And mistakes, like we say at Forest School, they are just learning experiences. They're just experiments. It's not, you aren't a failure. It's just what's the next iteration of that mistake. So I just love that you've been sharing that. And I love your talk about the importance of cycling money back into women and mothers. Can you talk to that as well, please? Yeah. So something, you know, I've been generously sharing online. So I'll say that first. I have been building this online community for four years. Yeah. Sharing my story, sharing other women's stories. So I put a lot of free stuff out there. Mm. Also, mothers and other women have been generously sharing my page, my work, for years as well. And I've had organic growth and reach. I haven't done any paid advertising up until this point. And now I'm in a position where I've just made some decent money and I want to funnel that back into other mothers and Mm. and women in business. So for one, one of that, I've started an affiliate program. So the women that do my courses, they can make a commission if they share about it. Um, which they probably would have anyway, but now yeah. I get to send them money and I'm I'm genuinely excited. I just paid out $50 to a woman this morning. Like it's it's small now, but like that could be hundreds of dollars in mm. the future. Um, and then what I'm doing as well is I'm reaching out to women who have podcasts. I ask you as well, like what is it like? Um, how can I become a sponsor? How can I pay mm. to be on your podcast and share about my my offerings, because I'd rather pay you and I'd rather pay other mums who have podcasts or Instagram pages, which they spend a lot of time, energy and effort in creating community Mm. than paying Google or Facebook. I know. So (laughs) that feels awesome to me. I want to spend like $5,000 over the next couple of months on paying other mums. And then they can take that money and, you know, pay for childcare or a platform or something that can help them in their business goals as well. Mm. And, and what I loved around that conversation, I love, I absolutely love that. And we feel the same. We talk about it all the time, that, that cycle of, of keeping that money in places where we know the money goes back into good and back into community, community building and back into sustainable practices, because <laughs> I'm going to generalize here, but when it goes to middle-aged white men, <laughs> what was the statistic? There's a statistic <laughs> floating around Facebook or Instagram this week. It was something along the lines. It was a um, men will put something like 35% of their income back into their family, whereas women will put 85 back into their family and community. Is that right? I can't remember. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. And so when women 
when women make money, communities um, thrive and communities benefit. In And we make a lot of purchasing decisions as well. Like when you think about the One Million Women organisation, they target women in climate change action because we're the ones that make the decisions for our households. And if one million women made decisions for the environment, like we would see huge change in, in climate change action. So let's support other women and mums in business because the world will change. Yeah, and, and the only way we can change the world is by changing our micro-community. So if our micro-community is online, but I don't know about you, but our, our audience is something like 90 95% women aged 25 to 45. I'm like, they're the income earners. They're the money spenders they're the ones that are going to change the world. So we're the same, like wherever we can drop that money back into women-owned businesses, women-owned anything, or just helping mothers, then we know that that's how we change our micro-community. That's how we change the planet because, let's be honest, middle-aged white men have not been doing a great job so far. <laughs> yeah, for sure. When I when we went to apply, we wanted to refinance our, our mortgage a couple of years ago and when we turned up at the bank, all of our finances were out and there was stuff highlighted. And the bank manager had highlighted where I had said private midwife. I was pregnant and I was paying off my private midwife at the time. And so I wasn't visibly showing that I was pregnant by that stage, but she gathered it because I was paying off a midwife. And we got rejected for that loan because I was pregnant and it was oh. viewed that I wouldn't... Um, be bringing in an income in the next year. So what I did as a result of that is I ran this um, mother's discrimination special where I halved my price for business mentoring for mums and I, like, it was like, that's really shit. I'm going to take mm. action. How can I be generous and just show that there's a better way? And so I ended up, like, mentoring 50 mums at a reduced rate and that was the way that I could, like, you know, do something about that injustice. <laughs> so so when, yeah, when women get fired out up about things that we're passionate about, we're very creative where we can do amazing things when we put our mind to it. And yeah, white men, old men just need to get out of the way. hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. What's that saying? And beware the fury of a patient woman. Don't get us started. Mm. And I think we have been. <laughs> too patient we have been incredibly patient we have been ridiculously forgiving and we continue to be like the bar for men is still so low mm. and we need to get angry about it and we need to we need to be angry because we we often don't take action until we're angry so be angry but you know action take action with it don't just just don't hold it in your body <laughs> release that's what I um see happen a lot in women's circles because it's a place where we can share these kind of behind the scenes stories and and you know I have this no caveats policy no concessions yes of course you love your husband or your children but yeah. you can also speak to feeling you know like you're having a hard time in motherhood or something mm. and what I see when women keep coming back to circle is they access that rage and that grief and I get to provide that space where they can do that safely and in community. And so they don't feel alone in it. And they understand that, oh, I feel this way, but so does the woman next to me and the woman next to me. And um, I really love that Circle is that place where you need to go through the grief and rage process and you need to sit in it for a while. And then once you come out of it, woo, the power. Yeah. Look out. Power. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah. 
Uh, that's I think that's where um, wildlings came from as well. It was this mm. outrage and this oh, there was anger at myself too for not realizing how harmful school might be for my child until I had a child. I was kind of angry at myself as an educator that it'd been fine, 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 you know, for children to go to school mm. and be in my care until I had children. And then it was this whole holy shit what have I been doing to children Mm. how have I been I've been restricting them I've been this authoritarian person I'm there's so I can't give them the respect that I want in this space in this system so um Mm. uh, yeah it's anger is good but like you said don't sit in it for too long (laughs) Mm. um on that Tell me how someone who was an A-achieving student with a partner who's in the medical system, um, you know, whose family are in education, you're doing your master's of teaching, how are you on the homeschool trajectory? How did you get there? Yeah, I think the catalyst was probably birthing in the maternal healthcare system and being on the receiving end of what it's like in depersonalized institutions that don't cater to the individual and then coming out the other side with I had no continuity of care no known midwife no relationship in that system had a had a traumatic birth and it opened my eyes to that systems don't necessarily serve people in the way that I I had once thought they did. And then having a home birth, you kind of go, oh, I'm part of this group of people now that are doing things quite radically different. Um, My partner was born at home, so home birth was in his family. Um, But again, my eyes were opened. And then I had my my son and that was the first year. Oh, no, my, my daughter went to preschool the year before I had my son. So during that pregnancy and during lockdowns and all kinds of things. And she hated it. She never got over the separation anxiety. I was waiting for her to like it and to not feel upset on leaving us and to not talk about how she didn't want to go to preschool all the days in between when we weren't there. Um, she would come home and say things like, um, you get what you get and you don't get upset and started parroting oh. <laughs> some of the things that she had learned in preschool. And, look, she is like a mini version of me. She loves rules. She's very compliant if she had to be. She would be the child sitting there with the legs crossed, with the back straight, raising her hand, waiting to speak. Um, And so she would actually do very well at school. And she would, everyone always says, she's such a pleasure. She's such a pleasure. She's a joy to be around. And that's because she's quite shy and doesn't talk a lot and listens and will do all the instructions but she hated preschool (laughs) and uh I just you know I was looking at the child in front of me and seeing like this this doesn't make sense for us like it, it it's not working for our family and at that stage my partner was doing all of the drop-offs he was the preschool dad he worked part-time and at that stage not always in our life but on the two days a week he was going, he was dropping her off. He was really mentally suffering from Mm. the emotional toll it was taking 
to um, leave her. And, you know, I had it in my head that this is a great sign of a healthy attachment, that she loves us, that she would rather be at home with us. But I just kept waiting for the day when it would be a goodbye, like, you know, and it didn't happen. It was 18 months of her Mm. hating it and us just holding on to preschool because I was pregnant I was working. It was our form of childcare. Yeah. We didn't have family around. It was this negotiation or a concession, I would say, that, you know, it wasn't the best for our circumstances, but it was the reality. We needed it at the time. Mm-hmm. And then we just, after probably, you know, the 20th conversation, my partner and I just went, nah, like, let's just stop it and see what happens. And, you know, it's hard to say because we were in multiple lockdowns as a family with no childcare. <laughs> that wasn't like this cakewalk where we just <laughs> loved every moment of it. And, you know, we, we didn't get to do a lot of the things that I thought a homeschooling family could. There were no activities we could go to. My idea of homeschooling has never been we're just at home by ourselves, <laughs> our family. Um, But, you know, we're getting more and more of that now. And so she's turning six in February, so we'll submit all the paperwork and we plan to do a homeschooling, unschooling process for the year. And, you know, Nikki, one of the lines from one of your podcasts really has stuck with me and it's that you don't have to think about homeschooling for 12 years. You can just take it one year at a time. And that's what we're doing. We will take it one year at a time and see how she goes. And, I mean, her anxiety levels and um, everything decreased the moment we took her out of preschool. So we did see immediate benefits for our family. But now we get to more concentrate on what does, like, a thriving, ideal homeschool situation look like rather than just, like, you know, hating that we're locked inside our houses. (laughs) Yeah, in a La Nina, throughout floods, the rainiest year we've ever had. (laughs) You have had it all. (laughs) The fact that you're still still here. Yeah, had flooding and, you know, then we were decided to move and packing up a house and we got rid of 80% of our belongings. So the kids have copped it the last year. It hasn't been the most amazing year of our family, but it's been a growth year and it's been a foundational year for the future to come. I love that perspective. That's really beautiful because it, it is. It's not, like you said again, even about business, it's not instant. Like this lifestyle doesn't just happen and there are mm. parts that are going to be more difficult to get to where you want to go. It's, it's a journey. It's not, it's not fast food. It's, it takes a while to set those stepping blocks in place. So, Yeah. yeah. And look, my kids have watched more screens than I would have liked in during the last two years. My daughter didn't really see them for her first 18 months. And this morning, my son woke me up by asking me where the remote was. So he's two in, in a week. Second child, it hasn't man. been ideal. <laughs> um, but I've also known we're about to go on this amazing adventure around the east coast of Australia. Like if they had to watch a bit more of TV in this preparation phase and that's okay and um I think too like my mother-in-law was uh, an educator she has been a teacher she's retired now and she's fully on board with our home uh, home birthing and homeschooling journey, <laughs> um because she can also see how much our daughter will thrive from that environment mm. um because yeah she's just 
she loves doing art. She'll do art for six hours a day sometimes. And I knew that that would be squashed in the school environment. And I was even seeing she'd come home with artwork from preschool. And I, in my mind, I'd be like, what is this? This is, I know you'd, you know, it would be a squiggle on a page or it would be really prescriptive art where she would have to be told to do something a certain way. Um, so I've got a folder of just art that is not representative of, of who she is and her creativity. And then when she'd be at home, she'd be doing elaborate paintings and drawings. And so I just want to foster foster her passions and see where the next year of homeschooling takes us. Um, and we can always change our mind, which is something that I loved um, that you said. And, you know, we probably won't, <laughs> but we we can. And so we've got yeah. that option. It is the option. I think people do. People at prep are freaking out about year 12. And I'm like, that's 12 years away. You know, you just don't know what's going to happen between now and then. You could move countries. You could have, you know, family health crises, whether it's yourselves or, or close family that you need to care for. That, like you said, it becomes a babysitting service then that you need to utilise. And that's okay. Like, we need school systems and we need care options when we don't have family around and if that's what we use school for that's what we use school for yeah but how amazing that your daughter who's clearly an artist can paint for six hours a day if she wants that's I think education should be about what an individual needs and seeks for their own life journey and I think that's the beauty of homeschooling is that we can cater our children as individuals rather than rather than the masses. I think that's amazing. She actually has been attending a bush kindy, which I, I think they trained through through you. Oh, who is it? It's um, Wildhood Bush Kindy in Wollongong. Yay! Yeah, yeah. Yay! So Lauren <laughs> and Loz. Um, and what's really funny is like you know I have this ideal that I would love her to love bush kindy, and she enjoys going. And she does the craft component for the most <laughs> of the time. Whereas my boys won't touch. I'm like, come on, come over here and just, just come and try this craft. <laughs> so while everyone's getting muddy and adventuring, she usually sits under the little tree and she'll do her intricate art things, but at least she gets the freedom to do that even yes. in that kind of environment. <laughs> You're like, I could do this at home. Yeah. <laughs> well, this one's a drop-off, so, you know, it's still three hours that we get to ourselves. <laughs> Hence why I'm heading to woodwork soon too. I've got woodwork and then our own forest school lined up for my children, so I have three quarters of a day of drop-off. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I would love to hear about, um, we were talking, I'm sorry, I'm backtracking here, that just triggered a thought of, one of the reasons we started building wildlings was because we couldn't find what we were looking for. And and, I've, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that's kind of what you did with your women's circles too. Mm. What would you say to people, because we get emails all the time, could you start one here? Can you start one here? And I'm like, no, but you could. And then we get that instant barrage back of, oh, I couldn't possibly, uh, you know, this, 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 all, all the reasons why not, but none of the reasons none of the benefits of what might happen if they possibly could. So what would you say to the women who are listening that have this inkling of, oh, I would like a women's circle, I'd love, or a pregnancy circle or, or a birth, you know, postpartum, whatever it is, what would you say to those women that think they can't 
Yeah. So I think firstly, there's lots of preconceived ideas about what women's circles are and who can run them. And I just want to say, you don't need to be a certain kind of woman with a certain set of beliefs. I believe we need women's circles of all shapes and sizes and varieties and topics and themes. And um, you don't need to be a spiritual person. You don't need to call yourself a witch. You can run whatever circle (laughs) suits you and your personality and your passion. And the key would be just to start, to start. I believe that, you know, well, I know that women were gathering in this way since there were women. So I think there's ancestral memory here. We we know how to do this. Um, but sure, there has been some wisdom lost over time. And so that was directly why I, I, I have a women's circle facilitator training because everyone kept asking me, how do you do it? How, how do you get people to come along? What do you talk about? And can you come to Newcastle and run a circle or can you come here? And it's like, I have two little children and I live in Wollongong. I mean, now I am because we're traveling in a caravan, but you know, I'm not someone grand and special. I didn't sit in a 15 year apprenticeship to be able to do this. I tried and my first women's circles were probably a little bit shit Um, But they were still good enough and the women there benefited from them. And so I I do believe that anyone can do this. There are some things to know around like safely holding space and holding boundaries and um, that kind of stuff. But that's, you can learn it. There's no, there's no club that you can't be in. Like you can be a women's circle facilitator as well. And I believe, you know, I, I made the training fairly accessible. Like it's a couple of hundred bucks because I didn't want it to be this, like, I need a fully fledged certificate. That's going to take me, you know, four years. It's like, come listen to the videos. They're short and sweet. And I I really want to infuse confidence and capability into you. Like you can do this. I'm not special. (laughs) I just started. That's it. And that's it. That's the quote of the session. (laughs) I just started. It is though. It's like, I think people think we're superhuman or these incredible, crazy human beings or something whacked out because I can tell you right now, we just started and we knew nothing as far as our business went or when we started a homeschool co-op and, and what exactly what you're saying for women's circle, I would love to say the same for forest schools or homeschool co-ops or homeschooling you don't need to be a certain type of person with a certain skill set you just start whatever you want to start and you just start Mm. and you be shit for a little bit if that's and it's not I don't even want to use that language because you're not shit yeah you're learning like you're you're just doing the best you can of what you know at that point yeah and you will grow with as as everyone brings the knowledge to you so yeah oh just start that's all Yeah. And and the women will be so thankful for it because everyone else is looking around and waiting for someone else to do it. And so when they finally get to come and sit in your circle, they'll just be grateful because they didn't want to do it themselves. Uh, And you were the brave one that did it. Yes. You also, and I love the title of this, you've just created out of, I'm going to say nowhere, but it's not out of nowhere. It's out of your years of experience. Like suddenly, I start the fucking course. Just do the fucking course course. <laughs> I love the name of that course. Yeah. Just do the fucking course. 
you want to quickly tell us about that as well? Oh, that was just a toilet idea I had five days ago. Um, Best place. <laughs> and it was, it came from once more, I share the process. So when I created Together, which is my online Women's Circle facilitator training, I shared that I was crying to camera when I was recording the first videos and I found it really uncomfortable. And, and so then naturally I start getting messages saying like, oh, I have this course idea. You're inspiring me. And I want to do it, but I'm, I don't feel like I'm good enough. Like, how did you get over that? And so I just, it was a two-hour class yesterday. The replay is available. If anyone wants it, it's $20. I made it just so like. Oh, my God. So cheap, Rachel. It is so cheap for what you're offering in it. It's full of value. Someone said it was the best 20 bucks they've ever spent. And at the end of it, I had all the women there say, I'm going to make the fucking course about. And then they wrote in like what they're making courses about and I had goosebumps all over my body because I like I would have done every single one of those courses and to hear them like share their passions in that way was just phenomenal and I just know like women just need to get out of their own way get out of their heads and that class you know it gives them less of an excuse now. <laughs> just make a fucking yes. course. Because <laughs> 20 of those excuses that they had, you've just nailed. Yeah. I've just been like, nah, done. I've answered that for you. Nah, done. Here's the tech. Nah, done. Here's the platform, whatever it yeah. is. There, there are no more fucking excuses. <laughs> just put your art out there. Put your knowledge and your skills and your heart out there because women need it. So, And they need the connection. They want the skills. They want to be able to access it online because we can't go to Wollongong or we can't go to wherever it yeah. is. Oh, and start small. Like that was, uh, I made $4,000 from that. And, yeah. you know, it didn't take me a lot of time and it's something I can speak to quite easily. So I really encourage people in that class, like don't think you need to come up with this grand course to begin with. Like do a two-hour class that you charge 20 mm. or 50 bucks and get the practice and you can build it from there. Yeah, absolutely. Our first courses were stupidly cheap. Mm. They were face-to-face. And then, we again, we just organically grew. Someone said, oh, I'm in such and such. Can you do it online? And we put it online and then we keep adding to it. So the price has gone up. Mm. And then we started Wild Business. And every time we open that, it goes up. And Wild Business now for us is our best source of income, our online courses, which we never would have thought we were going to run because that's not what our dream five years ago was not to go, Ah, oh, one day in five years' time, I'm going to run online courses, and that's it. But Vicky and my job now has really, in the last six months, suddenly become that's what we do: is we facilitate our online courses, and we, you know, we add to that community, and we build on that, and that's incredible for homeschooling, yeah, for mothering, because we can be so flexible with that. We don't need to be at the forest at 9.30 every Wednesday. We, we have that flexibility. So yeah. it just opens up so much opportunity as, as anyone, but particularly as I think as a mother, um, to get your art out into the world from home. Yeah. Like, do the fucking course. <laughs> and what, <laughs> Do Rachel's course and then do your own fucking course. <laughs> oh, thank you. What I love too is that, you know, I'm still on the ground. I still will be running women's circles face-to-face for as long as I can because that's honing my craft and I still um, will take on the occasional doula client and I'm not charging them exorbitant amounts of money. So now just because I make $4,000 in five days on an online car course, I'm not saying, well, I'll never work with another doula client unless they pay me yeah. $40,000. But the the 
the financial flexibility of having multiple streams and having that online arm, which, you know, I have an evergreen course, so it's just duplicated now. Yes. I've done the work. Yes. But I can still say, yes, I will support you in your postpartum as a postpartum doula because I can, um, because it makes sense in my overall business ecosystem and I'm not going to burn out and I get to do the things that I love in all different pies and still be rewarded financially. Uh, again, I could have said that verbatim. Exactly. Because you're not, you'll still go to forest school. It's not like you're like, see you guys, I hate this. No, no never running a kindy again. <laughs> no, God, no, I love, I bloody love it. But I love consulting and I love running face-to-face PDs and I love running like new events and I love, I thought there's so much that I love, but I can't fit it in. I only work three days a week and that's by choice as well because I don't want to work a five-day week because I burn out if I work five days a week. So my choice is to do less but have a bigger scope. So I do all the things I love but I just do less of all the things. Yeah, yeah. Mm, Which is amazing. Like it's just, uh, I could be stuck in a classroom. (laughs) I know. In February in a flood on a full moon with howling teenagers. (laughs) whom I still dearly love too. I still get to work with teenagers, but I get to work in a way that I can respect them as, you know, these young adults. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. All right. Do we have time for some rapid-fire questions? Yes. All right. What is your favourite book of all time or what are you currently reading? Uh, I'm currently reading for the second time Dark Emu by Bruce Pascoe. Um, so if anyone hasn't read that, I think it's recommended reading for every Australian and it talks about pre-colonisation. It talks, it debunks the idea that um, Indigenous people were hunter-gatherers and that trope of terra nullius is not real. They were very sophisticated forms of agriculture and living and it is such a beautiful book to read. We're going to travel down to Bermagui soon and We'll see the fish traps that Aboriginal people made where they were bringing fish in and you wouldn't even know that it's a thing because it's basically rock formations. Like it's a wonderful book. Really, really recommend Mm. it. And if you love that, then highly recommend uh, Fire Country by Victor Stephenson too because totally debunks the, again, the whole, you know, First Nations people weren't agriculturalists because the burn-offs that they did were just such sustainable practices for regenerating food, regenerating spaces um, for, you know, the kangaroos to come to hunt. Yeah. Like it's incredible oh. and really conversational, such a beautiful storyteller. Mm. So, mm. All right, where do you go or what do you do to reset after a rough day, whether that's at work or mothering? Mm. Uh, a reset for me and my kids is water. So, I mean, I'm eating my words because it's been raining. (laughs) (laughs) The water that you choose. (laughs) (laughs) But even when it's been torrentially raining, I I send the kids out on the deck and they just play in the rain. And I just notice the instant like fights between the siblings and it stops when they're outside and there's water, whether that's in cups or chuck them in the bath that is our reset. And and for me too, I I love water and it's a beautiful 
motivation to live on Yuan country as well as to to be surrounded by water. And you were saying your toilets where you get your best ideas, mine's a shower. I need some kind of waterproof <laughs> yeah. notepad in there because my brain just goes ping, 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 ping. Yeah. <laughs> a voice recorder or something. <laughs> All right. Uh, loaded question. If you had to choose one thing, I'm going to change yours. I hope this isn't going to um That's fine. your brain up. But instead of changing one thing about the education system, what one thing would you change about the um you know, the institution of birth thing system, mm. hospital birth oh, system. One woman, one midwife. If every woman had a known midwife, continuity continuity of care, um, we would see rates of intervention decrease overnight. Like, yeah, that known relationship, personalised maternal care will change lives for mothers and babies. So one woman, one midwife. 100%. Yeah. I, the difference between my two births because I knew my first one and didn't know my second one. Mm. I mean, they were they were actually similar in the end, but the way that I felt throughout them. So yeah. Like constantly looking up like, who, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> and she was great. She was great. She was not present. She was in the dark, in the shadows. But when she did pop up when she needed to, I was like, yeah. You're not my person. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Where can we find out more about your work? And I hear you may have a generous discount gift for our listeners as well for your facilitator training. Yeah. So I'm mainly on Instagram. That's where I put most of my energy into as a platform. So it's at the underscore Rachel Rose. And I've got an A in my name at the end. Um, so I'm there a lot. I've got a website, rachelrose.com.au. And for 20 of your listeners, if they put in the coupon code WILDLINGS um, for my facilitator training called Together, you'll get $50 off. So it's $349 for anyone that uses that code. Thank you. That is so beautifully generous. And I know we have, you know, again, our audience is mainly women and we have so many in pregnancy or early childhood. And I know that Oh, gosh, I hope 20 of you take that up. And I actually hope more than 20 of you take that up because I I want to see more circles. I want to see more rites of passages. I want to see more of this community building where we're supporting each other through life because life is hard and we need each other. Yeah. And I see circles morphing as my life changes. And so eventually I want to run like homeschooling circles for homeschooling parents where we can connect over that shared experience of of what it's like to, to do something radically different. It is radically different mm-hmm. way of living and and learning. Yeah. And I've seen some really beautiful circles where we've had some really wonderful matriarchs. And I just think, oh, I can't, I'm when I'm going through that change of life, I really want to join another circle where I've got these older women that have been through menopause and been through that, you know, my children have left the nest and what do I do with my life now? Because I can only imagine, again, that, that next creative birth that comes when you've got that space again because you're not in that caring mode 24-7. So I look forward to that. I look forward to all those stages and phases. Oh, Rachel, I could talk to you all day. Um, please, if you ever come up this way, we would love to have you and host you, however that may look for you and your family. But thank you for your knowledge. Thank you for your sharing and your work with women and children. and. Um, yeah, for being somewhere that women can turn to because, uh, again, if we can empower women and support women, then we change the world. Thank you for changing the world. Oh, thank you. You're going to make me cry. Thank you. I really enjoyed this conversation. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, we did. <laughs> thank you so much. 
Ah, I just love meeting kindred souls from across the country and the world. How amazing is it that we can make friends over these incredible pieces of technology so far away and yet, you know, we're just human. We're just humans after all and how lucky that these little spaces like Instagram and these podcasts can enable us to meet like-minded people with such beautiful values and beautiful purposeful work. Some of today's gems for me were the reminder that when we empower women through creating the village, through talking about money, through helping them earn money, that it empowers communities. And in doing so, it empowers healthier, greener economies that are more sustainable, that create healthier communities and just healthier people in our communities in a more caring way. You know, when women and mothers lead, communities benefit. And I think Rachel's work is really proof of that. I also love the reminder that sometimes we have to create what we're yearning and looking for and that anyone can do this. Rachel, Vicky, myself, we're not anything special. We are just human beings that got frustrated that we couldn't find that we found. And so we just started. We took the leap of faith. And yes, it meant overcoming imposter syndrome. Yes, it meant changing our entire lives. But so far, none of us regret these big changes. And, you know, if we do, we just change it again. Like we're not ever stuck. We have choice and we have power about the way that we live our lives. Um, So if you are yearning for a women's circle or you are yearning for your own wild business, take the leap. I urge you, we need more women in business. We need more women showing their art. We need more creativity. We need women leading in our society. Um, And I also love that I'm seeing more and more businesses that work for mothers and accept children being a part of that. Again, we can't empower women if we can't empower them to work through their motherhood journey in today's society. So if you are going to your beautician and you see that they've got their child, thank them for that. Thank them for still having holding that appointment for you. If you turn up to I don't know, your daycare and somebody's had to bring their child or another service, even a restaurant, and you see the children there, thank them because children are a joy and they are humans and they are part of our society and they are so often hidden. And in doing so, we also hide them from what work really looks like and that it can be beautiful and joyful and it's not just something to pay the bills. So, so many gems. Thank you, Rachel. (laughs) Now, before we go, if our conversation with Rachel has kind of piqued your interest in homeschooling and unschooling too because she's just another educator who has left the system the old canary in the coal mine situation again don't forget that we have an intro to homeschooling course on our website at wildlingsforestschool.com and our course is for those of you who are thinking about homeschooling but are a bit anxious about taking the leap you know maybe you've got a bunch of questions like how do you do the paperwork legally or Maybe you're feeling anxious about dealing with your current school and, and unenrolling them. Maybe you have a child with a, with needs. Maybe you have a partner who doesn't want to homeschool and thinks they get the final say. <laughs> Maybe you have friends and family who are concerned about your child falling behind. You know, there's all of these things, finances, work, socialisation. Don't get me started on that. But all of these concerns are covered and more so in our course. Uh, it's a bargain I personally think for the depth that we cover in there Um, and it will be able to help you 
tap into a lot of other resources too. There's a great little directory in it. So head to wildlingsforestschool.com if you'd like more information about that because we bloody love it. And that's not to say people don't bloody love school, but if your child doesn't bloody love school, then just know that there are other options for them and that school isn't the only way and that your child will be okay. They will be okay. And thank you for being here and as always stay wild and as Rachel would say just start until next week talk to you then Mm -hmm.